Welcome to our podcast here at Hope United Church. To access the live stream of our services, along with other resources and information, please visit www.hopeunited.org.uk. Uh, John 19:17. So then Pilate took Jesus and scorched him, and the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe. Then they said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they struck him with their hands. Pilate then went out again and said to them, Behold, I am bringing him out to you, that you may know that I find no fault in him. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and purple robe. And Pilate said to them, Behold the man. Therefore, when the chief priests and officers saw him, they cried out saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, you take him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, we have a law and according to our law, he ought to die because he made himself the son of God. And that was the first couple of weeks that we were in this part um, uh, over the, um, the start of the mocking of Jesus. And, and I think we've truly been challenged to ask yourself, is, is my behaviour at times any better than that of Pilate. Uh, and when we ignore truth, the, the word, and look for other means for comfort, or when we have emotional meltdowns, as it were, about trivial things, uh, we can see the parallels. As we have said, one of the hardest lessons in this section is how we identify with Pilate only too well. Yes, when we read the passage, uh, at the surface level, we could say we're nothing like him. When you just isolate it, we could say we're nothing like Pilate. Yet when we start to look at the behaviours and the conditions of Pilate at a deeper level and how he dealt with the process of dealing with Jesus and the crowd, it becomes all too scarily identifiable. In the areas that we need to grow, in the areas that we struggle, in the areas where we compromise, in the areas where fear and the world grips us. How much do you identify with Pilate's fear and lack of freedom from people? I, I say this a lot in 20 years. and I, I, Listen, I just keep on one nail. I said it on Sunday night. One nail, one hammer, one bit of wood. <laughs> that, that's a message. But I've said this for, for, for many years, 20 years, um, starting with my own life. The greatest battle in the human condition, no, yes, it's all sin, is a fear of people and a lack of freedom from people. We don't see it as a lack of freedom from people, but see when you start to drill in, you always see there's a fear and a lack of freedom from people. I see it from the most immature believer to the so-called, maturity is not about age, is it? To the so-called mature believer, devoted believers who would live their whole life and never get free from people. And that is what makes us so like Pilate. Amongst other things, that's what makes us so like Pilate. We avoid truth. We avoid standing in truth. We uh, avoid standing for Christ. On many occasions. Why? Laziness. Hmm, maybe. Uh, preoccupation. Yeah. Mostly. Fear of people. A lack of freedom for people. Uh, we know also like the soldiers we mentioned. Squeezing. The crown of thorns. We would never, at a surface level, we'd think, no, that's not us. We're not like that. Uh, squeezing the crown of thorns on Christ's head every time we compromise. Every time we compromise and please man in order to feed our own flesh. Then last week we covered mostly verse 8 to 11. Let me read it. Therefore, when Pilate heard that saying, he was more afraid, and went out again into the praetorium and said to Jesus, where are you from? 
But Jesus gave him no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have the power to crucify you and the power to release you? Jesus answered, You have no power at all against me unless it has been given to you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has a greater sin. Talking about Caiaphas, not talking about Judas, but Caiaphas and the Jews. And last week we spoke of Pilate being stuck in this dilemma. If I let him go, if I let Christ go, if I let Jesus go, I won't have this just man's blood in my hands. But my whole career is on the line. Even my life. If these Jews report me that I've stirred more fractions and caused a riot in the city and the word gets back to Caesar. Here's the dilemma. Here's the dilemma of the human, even the believer. If I defend Christ and I accept Christ in all his ways, then I gain his righteousness. But if I don't, in order to please men, then I condemn Christ is the dilemma that he's in. A.W. Pink says, out of his mouth, I said it last week, out of his mouth he stands condemned. Carefully analysing his words can only mean, I am above the law. Innocent or guilty, I can do with you as I please. This is what Pilate believes. This high-handed claim of absolute power is one which ungodly men are fond of making. And we talked about that in the, the charismatic circles. That we don't have power in Christ, power through Christ, but power over Christ is what it looks like. And many of you have been surrounded with that. I was talking to Vicky Ralston last week and uh, after the service and she's never been part of that type of church. So it's an alien concept, but me and Rachel kind of helped her out a bit because Rachel used to live in the sweetie shop. <laughs> she was like a fully-fledged member. She, she was gaining promotion by the week by the signs, gifts and wonders that she was pursuing. Rachel even was able to explain to me that she used to be in uh, tunnels and prayer tunnels where... I mean, it was beyond anything I'd seen where people are flaking about and it's like this tunnel that you're in. It's a metaphorical tunnel, of course, and you're in this tunnel of utopia where you're all flaking about and reading about and all sorts of stuff. All that nonsense that's, that's, that's about you. It's never about Christ. You cannot behave like that. We said it last week. You cannot behave like that and look at the suffering Christ at the same time. And we spoke much at length about how when we don't understand our own wretchedness, talked about Jonathan Edwards and uh, sinners at the hands of an angry God, amongst other teachings, that if we don't, uh, do you see me just taking a wee step back there? Uh, when we don't uh, keep that at the forefront of your mind, we'll start to pursue other things. The joy of the Lord is our strength when we know who we are and what we've been saved from and who we're saved to. When that goes, and I spoke about it at length last week, that you're in church literally a day, a week, and you're like, have you come through in tongues yet? That's crazy stuff. You know, wh wh where are you at in this? You know, have you been baptised in the Holy Spirit? We, you know, we, we need to get baptised in the Holy Spirit. Many churches, charismatic churches, believe that a baptism in the Holy Spirit is a separate event. It's not a separate event. It's not a separate event. Everybody who's been saved and baptised in the Holy Spirit the moment they get saved. It would be like being born to your parents and just say, but there, but, but there was a part of my parent no one is. Well, that's impossible. Oh, the, the, the Father, the Spirit is the, the, the Spirit of the Father and the Son. Of course that enters your life when the moment you're saved. So there's no pursuing uh, the Holy Spirit as if it's a separate event. And we talked about this years ago when we were going through the book of Acts and people were, people were emailing us. Oh, listen, that's not unusual falling out with us, texting us, telling us all sorts of stuff. Um, you, you baptise in the Holy Spirit when you get saved. Scripture's clear in that. 
scripture is clear in that. No, but they get mixed up with that and then put Peter walking in the fullness. As if that's another event as well. No, we need to go and queue up to get baptised in the Holy Spirit. You even have Holy Spirit baptism, men. There used to be a local guy, I'm not going into detail, and I remember he took a raging resentment against us because he didn't get to come and be the baptism Holy Spirit guy in this church. Really? Because they've got a special anointing and then you start pursuing all that stuff and it's about us. As I say, Vicky Rose, you've never been running about that. Thank goodness. Oh, thank goodness you've not been running about that because see when you're just saved or you're still on that journey and you're a bit needy. Know that you are. Well, we all are. You're on that journey of neediness. You're just delighted to be receiving that because everybody else is getting it. So you want a wee taste. And if you're not getting it, you're, what you got to do? Pretend. you got to pretend. Desperate for it. I remember I used to go to these events and somebody would be there, some tonged hair guy from America or something. No, I mean, no. Honestly, that's what you always put in mind. He's some tonged hair guy from America, polished. And he would be there and... And I would be loads of self-control, Mark, this is nonsense, but see as the time goes on and you're in that room, you're on your own and now you're the only one that's not getting a touch. And everybody else is getting a touch, you start to feel, because you don't know the word that well, so you, as much as you think this is no right, but then you start, because of the, the, the manipulation, you start to think, I'm missing out on something special here. You know? and, and let me just say, see if you don't feel it. Let me just say, see if you don't feel it, there is definitely some wrong with you and you'll get told that. <laughs> no, so that adds to the guilt. No, you've not come through yet. What's your problem? No, no, there's a blockage. No, they want to shabba-dabba-doer you that there's some hidden sin that you've no dealt with in the past because that's the blockage to you really feeling the power of Christ. And it's got absolutely nothing to do with anything other than the person that's trying to... It's all about them. I've had people praying for me and they're, they're not praying in the name of Jesus for anything. I've had people laying. I've, I've needed prayer after prayer. I'm not joking. I'm like, I'll, need, I'll need to get some prayer after this. I'm actually deeply affected by this. I remember somebody praying for me. They prayed for me that long that I thought, I'm going to have to do something with my leg here because it seized. I thought, they've been praying for me for about 45 minutes and I'm terrified of moving here in case I offend them. But I knew it was about them. And this is what ended up happening. Now, I'm sure you're not there with this stuff or ever been there. Maybe you have. You end up, what well, I would end up doing, in order to appease them because I don't want to upset them. I would just go, oh, thank you, Lord. I'm not feeling anything. I'm just wanting them to think that I'm feeling some because they're desperate. So I'm just, oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, that was good because th their prayer needs to be powerful in order for them to get acceptance. Listen, we're not talking about wee Betty in the back row here. We're talking about pastors and ministers in the front row. Needing it. And this is all, you think, well, what's that got to do with Pilate? I use extremes. Listen, I'm sure you know that, but <laughs> I use extremes to hit the point. You know, because, do you know why I use extremes? I think it's in my notes here, but I'll, 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 I'll flick through it when I get to them. Do you know why I use extremes? Because the human tendency to make yourself better than what you are. That's why I use extremes. I use extremes because you're able to sell yourself no problem that you're not that bad. So when you get an extreme, you go, oof. Because we've put layer upon layer of pious okayness. <laughs> that sounds like a Greek name, doesn't it? <laughs> and that's, that's Greek. Who? Who? Pious okayness? <laughs> that's known my notes. You know, and that's what happens. So see, the thing is, if you, 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 for me, and you're, you're sharing an extreme, especially when we're talking about the human condition, you're sharing an extreme and then bringing it back so that you can get at least the kernel. Uh, that, that's how it is. Well, well, Christ stands half beaten to death. Pilate still only sees him as somebody to be used. He's not interested in Christ as the saviour, he doesn't see that, he's not interested in that in any way whatsoever. It's like, how can this man, how can I get this man to help me out of my pickle? Which is how people deal with God all the time. How can I get God to help me out my, I don't really want to know God, I'm not interested in any way whatsoever, but how can I get him to help me out of my pickle? Yet Jesus chooses to submit. Listen, we don't just use God to get us out of pickle, we use man, cars, women, 
You think it's not to get you out of pickle, don't you? You're probably looking there. You think it's for life. No, that's also to get you out of the pickle. A, 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 a inadequacy and feelings of inferior and needing to be loved. So I get you out of pickle. Yet Jesus chooses to submit, to lay down his life. It's not that Pilate has power over him. But it's like Jesus lays down his life. You have no power over me except which the Father permits, as in the governmental side what we spoke on last week. John MacArthur says, even in the death of Christ, nothing is outside the sovereignty of God. No amount of manipulation, teasing, mocking or punishment will ever stop the will of God being done. You know that force in God's hand? You're not praying enough. You're not reading enough. Listen, I'm all for devotion. Although I'm apparently not allowed to tell him there. But uh, we're all for... <laughs> we have to call people to devotion. No, we have to call people to devotion. Uh, otherwise, you never call kids, you know. No, I'm not there to some kids. I'm just there to let them find their own way in life. How does that make sense? Uh, what, what would kids do if they were left today? Let, let me tell you some. See if kids were left to their own devices. Let me tell you some. None of them are here today, okay? Just to let you know. Okay? None of them are in that room. Okay? None of them are going to school ever. Okay? They're all in Blackpool. <laughs> Every one of them. Every one of them are in Blackpool the new. Okay? With big candy floss. Okay? That's what we're doing. Okay, so we have to train up children and we're all children as it were. The Christ, where was I there? No amount of manipulation, teasing, mocking or punishment will ever stop the will of God being done. No amount of hard, no, I'm not saying we should not pray. But that ends up becoming the thing. That's why you're not get the breakthrough yet. That's why no amount of anything, manipulation, stops the will of God. Always perfect timing, all the time. And John alone we see it. You see the perfect timing of Christ. You look at John 4. How he turns up at the well, just at the perfect timing. Everything's perfect, every single thing. Even laying down his life. Which brings us to the last section here from verse 12 to 16, which we'll conclude with this morning. Let me read this. From then on, Pilate sought, just before I do that, just let me say, see if you thought the last three weeks was brutal. Oh my goodness. I have to say that these, this section in John, before I read it, in John 19, 12 to 16, is very psychological. It's real psychological warfare. It's total psychological Warfare. Uh, when you know the human condition, you learn the human condition, it becomes clearer. Uh, much of what we read here in these next four verses is the human's condition to manipulate. That's everything about it. You, you will not get away from it. And see if you think you were identifying with Pilate, wait till you identify with Jews. But I'm sure some is a black I'm not. But again, I'm going to use some extremes here. And you'll think, oh no, me. And then when you tie it in, you'll be like, me, me, that's me, that's me. Uh, I found it brutal studying it, to be honest with you. So hold on to your heart here a wee bit. It's a good ending. <laughs> From then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out saying, if you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. Whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus out and sat him down and, and sat down in the judgment seat in a place is called the pavement. But in Hebrew, Kabatha. Kabatha in Hebrew would just mean a lofty place is maybe a better way of wording that. Now it was the preparation day of the Passover and about the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, behold your king. But they cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, we have no king but Caesar. Then he delivered him to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and led him away. There's just a wee tiny bit there that I just, just, just as I read that, that, that I've not got in my notes. So I just want to say this. It says constantly, the chief priests. See, the chief priests are the ones with the loudest voice. That tells me that everybody else below them is going to agree. 
They're always instigators. When the chief priests say it, them who are they supposed to be leading will automatically follow. It's no different in what we were mentioning there in the charismatic church. When the, when the pastors and the leaders and the, the evangelists, when they're the ones doing it, and they've got the loudest voices towards all the nonsense or all the lies or all the abuse or their teaching, the crowd will follow. This is why for many as no as all, we've been in churches. Listen, never mind in churches. This was one. My loudest voice becomes your agreement. This is why we have to be careful with what we say because we're very influential. And it's always the chief priests, the chief priests answered, the chief priests said. Verse 12, let me read this again. From then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out saying, if you let this man go, you're not Caesar's friend. Whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. Lenski writes this, Pilate must have addressed them. What did he say? So Pilate's obviously been out and addressed them when he, when he decided he, he's now got a quickening, as it were, in his spirit to release him. Before it was superficially wanting to release him. Now it's serious. So we don't know the conversation that Pilate had when he went back out to the crowd, but it's definitely they had one. It's no documented. But we know that he did when you read the text. So why Lenski writes, Pilate must have addressed them. What did he say? Question mark. Undoubtedly much more than he said any other time. He's now kind of pleading. And Pilate's truly, deeply troubled by the flow of having the blood on his hands. Hey, Jesus, a righteous man. He's not fully aware of who Jesus is, but he's more aware than he's ever been through the conversations. And also through his wife's testimony, our, our prayer, our, our, our dream, sorry, Procla, who told him also to have nothing to do with this righteous man. We talked about that last week. Yes, he said he finds no guilt in him. Numerous times. And I'll mention that right at the end. Just that he's mentioned it numerous times and I'll just tie something in right at the end of that. You can keep that thought somewhere at the back of your mind. But now it's, in his best interests at a deeper level. It was in his best interest. It was shallow before. Now it's at a deeper level to let him go. Again, truly this has got nothing to do with Pilate's lovely Jesus. It's due to the intensifying fear of what's going to happen to him. Uh, it's, yes, he's getting more convicted in who Jesus is. That's for sure. But he's now fearing the repercussions. Uh, he's fearing both the repercussions of the Jews, but at this moment he's fearing the repercussions of condemning an innocent man, and especially if he is who he says he is. Uh, the conversations obviously he's had with Jesus has impacted him, especially the last one. You have no power over me unless it's been given to you. It's really impacted him that, you know, speaking to me. And after that, he's really had a, a deep desire and really convicted, if it were, to release him, which really is the, the, the dilemma that we all face ourselves at times. This desire to please God and serve Christ, but at the same point, we've got this other voice going on in our head, pleasing man. We can read between the lines that Pilate's went out to the crowd and he's, he's really pleaded for Jesus' innocence. And he's tried to appeal to the Jews to release him, which is crazy in itself. Pilate doesn't need permission for the Jews to release Jesus. Pilate's got the authority. If he finds someone innocent, it's within the law that he should release him. You know, you'd think, well, that's how it is the day. That's how a judge would be the day. Really, really, let me just, just fire this out. Do we, still, do we still live in a world where we actually believe the judge always just cast judgment on innocent or guilty and he doesn't follow the opinion of the crowd. Oh, yeah. We still think judges are all sound and bang on. Really? Try to say that judges today don't follow the opinion of the media and the government. That they don't cast judgment in people based on 
based on the crowd, based on what the government thinks, based on what people think, based on popularity. Oh, we pray for a, we pray for a just judge. No, please do. And please do in the future coming years when Christians are going to be up in court persecuted. You pray for a just judge. But I wouldn't bet on it. I would not bank on it. I would not bank on a fair trial these days. How many have been condemned? In fact, you know, we live in a world where you're no innocent until proven guilty, okay? But it's worse than that. You're no guilty until proven innocent. You're guilty forever, even when you're innocent. That's the world, the, the, the fickle, evil, wicked world we live in today. Even when somebody's innocent, People still go, ah, oh, no smoke without fire. I definitely think there's something in that. It doesn't matter. This is the world that we live in. And I'm very wary saying this, but when you look back in history and you look back at them who were martyred and persecuted for righteous sake, we're talking about believers here, we're not talking about in the world, which we could give examples of that as well. That's not our domain. Men, men of God were not put in jail predominantly for preaching the gospel. They were put in jail for some other slanderous lies that the, the enemy made up. Because that's much more appealing. You know, you look at the Jews, it's not just that Jesus was this and he's just a false prophet. That's not enough for them as you hear it here. He's claiming to be a king. They have to exaggerate. They have to exaggerate to get people on board. It's the world we live in today. We think, oh, the judge then is no... The, uh, judges today are no different for Pilate, many of them. You might get the odd, brave and courageous one, praise the Lord. <laughs> Few and far between. Apostle Paul, remember he met one, I think it was Gamaliel, was it? He's the, 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 the high priest. I don't know if it was Gamaliel, I can't remember his name. And Acts, and he was a judge. He says, look, I don't find anything in him. Let him go. But that's few and far between. Oh, the judicial system, even the day in today's world are very much controlled with media, public opinion. So you've got judges who are above casting judgment on innocent or guilty. They've got a wealth of other stuff going on. They've got numbers to deal with. They've got, they, they've got, they want to pass a bill, so they want to make some, somebody guilty to make it happen. This is how they operate. Make no bone about it, eh, brothers and sisters. This is what they'll do when they want to pass a bill. They want to pass a bill, they'll just create a, they'll create a story. It just makes a white noise so that they can pass it. No. People say, oh, you're conspiracy. Absolutely no. Just look at it. It's, it's, it's clear to see this is happening. And they create another story. So even if you think of church today, they're calling it a gender conversion therapy. See, that's a buzzword, isn't it? Gender conversion therapy sounds horrible. It sounds horrible. Okay, it is horrible. Because there's no such thing. It's gender conversion therapy. It doesn't exist. They've made, the, the, the governments in the world make, makes that a thing to make it sound, to, to make it sound, oh, that's terrible. I don't know any, any balanced Christian, I know unbalanced one that would be trying to lay hands on a gay person. Try to lay hands on a gay, see if a gay person wants to be here, I couldn't care less. It's none of my business. What they're calling gender conversion therapy is if somebody comes into your church and they're, they're struggling with sin and they want to talk about it and you have a conversation with them. That'd be classed as gender conversion therapy. Really? See if you're going to use that label, what are we going to call it? Eating chips conversion therapy. I've been eating too many chips, I want to talk about it. I want to talk about it, but I've never fell out. But you imagine a headline in church, guy leaves church really offended. Somebody tried to fish supper conversion therapy him. Just giving somebody advice, what's wrong with that? Do you see how they worked it? People buy in, shock factor. Here's Pilate pleading for the innocence and to appeal for the Jewish relief. They're not going to harm. Because it's crazy, because Pilate has the authority to do it and release him. He finds him innocent, and by law he should release him. But still he can't. Everyone is as a believer, back again, I'm using extreme, I'm, I'm, I'm not using extremes, I'm using the facts here and then parallel them to your life at times. He's looking to get the condemning Jews off his back. You see Jesus innocent, he died for you, didn't he? You see him as innocent, he died for you. 
You see him as not guilty. Yeah? He's a believer. And if you're listening, he's not guilty. You are. You see it, didn't you? You know it. Why are you, why are you not defending him? I hooked you right in there, didn't I? Why are you not defending him then? Pilate sees him not guilty, but he's not defending him. Doesn't he need the Jews' permission? Yet the Jews who see and hear Pilate Wilton, and this is what happens, the Jews start to see and hear Pilate Wilton, start to see him digging his heels in, he's, they think, oh, this is, this is a no-brainer. When the Jews first, when you look through John 19 and the Jews first start this dialogue with Pilate, in fact, way back, they take him to Annas' house, then they take him to Caiaphas, then they bring him to the Roman trial, they think this is an open shot case. Okay, open shot case. It's becoming a bit complicated here. And Pilate's digging his heels in, so it's becoming a bit more complicated to, to condemn him. They thought, oh, this is it, this is a no-brainer. So what the manipulators and the wicked do is, is they, they have to make it worse now. They're not going after Jesus now, they're going after Pilate. Because he's the, he's the defining factor. And this is what they say. They're digging their heels in and the more they dig their heels in, the Jews are incensed. And I'm going to use some parallels here and you're maybe thinking, I don't know if you've got the mind that I've got, you start thinking, and how does that equate to me? How does that equate to me? And if you're at all any doubt, I'll, I'll share some thoughts with you. Cry out saying, if you let this man go, you're no Caesar's friend. That's what they say. What do you hear what's going on? This is what's going on with the Jews here. The Jews knew, this is what A.W. Pink says, the Jews knew their man for a hypocrite. The Jews knew their man. The Jews know Pilate. They know his condition. They know what his fears are. They know what his struggles are. They know what his battles are. The Jews knew their man. For hypocrites are usually the quickest to detect hypocrisy in others. End quote. The Jews know exactly where Pilate's weakness is. And they go for it. They go for the jugular. They play on it. In order to get them to comply to their hatred and their evil plan, Calvin says that they could do nothing that was more hateful and more fitted to produce terror than to hold him suspected of disloyalty to Caesar. End quote. The Jews know who Pilate's God is. Small God, small G, it's man, it's Caesar, it's his career, it's the world. And when Pilate starts to dig his heels in to defend Christ, the enemy is not too long in reminding you and bringing your God to your attention. The thought of the Jews telling Pilate is disloyal and a traitor to Caesar, this is the thought, they know that. And they tell him the consequences of that in order to tear down his resilience. The enemy is going to go for the weakness always in your life. Calvin adds, this wickedness at length broke down the resolutions of Pilate, who till now had only been shaken by the furious clamours. Now he's not just shaken by their furious clamours. Now it's getting to the stage as the loss involved here. Okay, let me just give you a parallel again. You see Christians going, I feel I'm offended. You've said that about Jesus. And they'll have a wee bit of defence because they've clamoured just ever so slightly to defend Christ. But it's no costing them anything at that point. Wait till it starts costing them and then all of a sudden it's, oh, oh you've not got such a loud voice to defend Christ now. Here we have the worst of sin in front of us. One side using all the manipulation they can force Pilate into submission and they know exactly his weakness. And the other, that's the Jews, and the other, Pilate, who's willing to put aside everything they believe and know to be true to save their own skin. So firstly, the Jews, they act like they're more loyal to Caesar. They hate Caesar. Tells you in Tells you in Isaiah, they hate, they, they have no other king. They hate Caesar, they hate the Romans. 
In fact, they believed, if you read John and you read the Gospels, they, they were desperate for the Messiah to come to free them from the Romans. But here they're saying, we're loyal to Caesar, we love Caesar. They're more loyal to Caesar than Pilate. They hate the Romans, they hate Caesar. But in order to pursue their hatred and their flesh, they're willing to pretend to be loyal to Caesar so as to force Pilate's hand and make him comply with their plan and their evil. I've seen this many wicked people manipulate others for the sole reason to hate in God and his servants. They have a false loyalty to each other. They'll exaggerate stories to put people into a position of fear. Anything to make that person comply with their wickedness. And at, time, and at the same time, making themselves look like they're the ones that's right. I experience, I've experienced this many times. And probably in my life in the past, I've been a perpetrator of that kind of level of manipulation. But I've seen it. I've seen it close at hand. I've seen men manipulating their wife to agree with them to remain wicked. It's a level of sickness we get. Again, maybe you won't ever see yourself like that. I don't, I don't see myself as, as a Jew, the Jewish chief priests who would manipulate somebody in order for me to get my own way. So it comes crashing home a wee bit when you say it like that, doesn't it? Again, maybe you won't ever see yourself like that. And yes, this is an extreme. Often it's extremes that gives us a glimpse of your heart though. It's an extreme that gives you a glimpse of your heart at times. Don't you think it's an extreme that gives you a glimpse? No extreme, you'll no glimpse at your heart because you'll just pretend to be what? What was the one says? That new Greek word? Pious what? What? Pious okayness. <laughs> you'll just have pious okayness without extremes. Thanks for reminding that. We'll end up no forgetting that. We'll burn me conversations, won't we? Blah, all right, pious okayness. Show me a shallow Christian sitting continually under shallow teaching and I will show you a believer who thinks they're living a more faithful life and a less sinful life than what they are. That's what will happen. Pious okayness. <laughs> Jeremiah 8, remember we read it. They have been healed slightly and cried peace, peace when there's no peace. This is why we have to at times use extremes and I'm grateful for them. However, let me ask this thing. This is, this is known extreme. You think it's an extreme until I mention this. You ever exaggerated or pretending to be on someone's side for the sole reason that you want them to hate the other person as much as you do? Do you want me to say that again? Or is that just going to... Is that, is that, is that, it was like tumbleweed there, wasn't it? <laughs> say it again. Have you ever exaggerated or pretended to be on someone's side and someone's friend more for the sole reason that you want them to hate what you hate and whom you hate? That's extreme. But it's, it's what humans do. How about you want them to feel what you feel? Okay, let's, let's, let's bring it down a wee bit. You're not that bad. Let's just bring it down a bit. Let's just say that you just want to feel what you feel. Have you ever took a resentment when you've tried to share what you feel with somebody and they defend the person? Is that not a killer? Do you know what I'm talking about there? You shared your resentment with somebody about who you hate and the other person says, ah, oh, well, we've all just need to go on with it and that makes you worse. You ever do that? That's what's happening here. You ever been incensed when someone has downplayed or justified your anger towards somebody? <coughs> Nothing worse when you want to share that stuff that you really, and you're desperate for somebody to agree with you, aren't you? You want to get your husband on board, your wife on board, and your dog on board. And then they don't go on board. They, it's, it's worse when they turn and say, I think you just need to go away and look at you. What goes on there in some ways? You don't go like, ah, I'll go away and look at me. No, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give them their information because I'm going to get them on board me. That's what's happening right here. It's wicked. It's wicked. 
You ever went stronger? This is what I've wrote in my notes. You ever went stronger when they've downplayed it? Do you know why you go stronger when people downplay it? You feel rejected. You feel rejected. You've downplayed it. Oh, do you know I was telling you about this? I was at work the day and so and so. This happened and this happened and this happened. And do you know what? Oh, this happened. The person downplayed it, so you need to go stronger with information. Let's go stronger with information so I can get somebody on my side. Because you feel they, you feel rejected by them. You might be even say, you might even you might even be warped enough. Listen, I'm sharing my whole life here. You might even be crazy enough to turn around and go like you might even be crazy enough to turn and go like ah, do you not love me anymore? What do you mean do I not love you anymore? What because I don't hate them as much as you? So I go idea with love. Because <laughs> you feel rejected. You're not happy that they've no joined your pity party. And here is what's going on with the Jews. They cannot cope that Judah, the, 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 the Pilate is no joining them in this level of hatred. So what do you do? Just stay with the Jews day. I'm going to give you more hateful information. We have no king but Caesar if you don't love him. You're, all that stuff. You can't submit. You can't have two kings. So they start to go for the juggler. Go, this is going to cost you. It usually starts with something like this. Do you want me to tell you what else they've done? <laughs> it usually kind of starts with something like that. You might be making yourself, do you want me to tell you what else they said? Because what you've already told them has not been enough. They've not been affected enough by it. Do you want me to tell you what else they've said? Hoping to get them on board. And if that does the work, to get them on their side, you maybe even say something like, do you know what they said about you? Because if that's no got them on your side, that might. Because now you're personalising it. They've not said anything about you, but you're making it. I heard they said about you too. What happened? I think we don't do stuff like that. So we're like, ah, oh, Okay, Pilate, that's an extreme, but is that a human condition? Yes or no? Do, do, do we struggle in battle with that when we're struggling and suffering? Absolutely. Especially when we're denying Christ. Do you know what they said about you? You ever tried to get someone on your side by pretending to love what they love? You ever done that? You don't even love what they love, but you're just pretending to love what they love. Only because I was one of the guys, I, I was so desperate for love and acceptance approval. Honestly, I could, you could get in my bedroom as a young boy, you could have Celtic scarves, Ranger scarves, Motherwell scarves, Dundee United scarves, Karate scarves. I wouldn't have cared less as long as you were loving me. I would have joined any club. Just for approval. Just to get acceptance. This is why we have to preach the true gospel. Because you're going to get loads of broken, hurt people just saying, I love Jesus as well because you love Jesus because that makes us pals. False converts everywhere. But they'll not stand in Christ at all when push comes to shove. 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 Some of you, that's all you'll remember. He never said that, right? <laughs> remember I was sharing a message last time it was truth and somebody's like, ah, honestly, never use these capitals. Okay. You only want to use them so that you can get what you want. So you pretend to love what they love, like what they like. Oh, that'll make that'll make them get an agreement with. See, when you start thinking these things, I could use a million examples. I won't for time's sake. The truth comes crashing home, does it not? Thinking, I'm nothing like Pilate, I'm nothing like the Jews. The Jews were willing to fake that they were loyal in order to make Pilate fall into agreement. That's what they were willing to do. And what did they do? They keep on having to mention Pilate's God. They keep on having to mention Pilate's God. See, Pilate's get more of Jesus at this point's voice than he has Caesar's voice. He's been back forward with Caesar. He's been back forward with Jesus. He's starting to hear Jesus' voice more than he has Caesar's voice and the rules and the laws and his stuff and his position. And the Jews know that. The enemy knows that. And they need to remind you again of what you love. They need to remind you again. They need to bring back to the floor 
what it is you're, what it is you're obsessed with. That's how manipulators work. Keeps to keep forcing your hand. They keep your obsession and your resentment alive. They want to keep your obsession and resentment alive so that you can join their anger. So they keep bringing it up. They keep mentioning it. They want you to be obsessed. Is there. So that they never need to deal with anything. They never need to challenge their own life. Because they know if they can, they have way more chance of controlling you and forcing you to comply. That's how manipulators work. That's how the enemy works. They keep on forcing your hand, forcing you to comply by showing you your weakness or what your obsession is. The Jews know exactly what Pilate's obsession is. But Pilate's now talking a bit about Jesus, if you like. And they want to remind him who Caesar is. And his loss and what he'll cost them. The second of these screaming sins, we could talk about that forever, eh? The second of those screaming sins are in front of us is that of Pilate. Pilate not only fully known for sure who Christ is, but for certain more than just an ordinary man. Still, when reminded of it, choose his man. Still, when reminded of it, choose his man. Brothers and sisters, we're living in a world where the church, that's what it's like. Weak, limp, choosing man, justifying man, working through things. I loved, I've been reading Francis Schaeffer. I love Francis Schaeffer and the Christian Manifesto. It's wonderful. Wrote it in the 80s. And he says, the problem is with the world and Christians is, the problem with Christians is, is they see everything in bits and pieces rather than totality. How true is that? So is the way the government goes, tyranny, it's just, a, it's just a thing. Don't want to get into detail here. Lockdown is just a isolated incidents. Wearing masks is just an isolated incident. Is this how people see stuff? It's just an isolated incident. Loving your neighbour in that wee moment is an isolated incident. No open churches and isolated incidents just for a season. Connecting with the community in a different way, it's just a new way of seeing it. Having Zoom, it's just a new way of seeing things. What happens is they see all these problems as isolated and therefore they start counteracting them with the things like online church and all this stuff because it's a season. A lot of, the, a lot of some of the, the stuff, the pressure that we'll get or some of the hate stuff we'll get is because the world and Christians only see evil and fits and starts. They don't see it as totality. As if, as if it's no connected. It's all connected. One thing leads to the next, leads to the next, leads to the next. But people don't put, put, put things together, so they see it as a wee isolated thing. Oh. They see the pandemic, masks, isolation, lockdowns, vaccines, boosters, not allowed to travel, vaccine passports, inflation, <laughs> gas increases, electric increases, global warming, COP26. They all see it as separate things. It's no, it's no separate things. But, um, it's on its totality. It, if you look at what in the last two years, how much the church has now started to conform to the world. And I passed a church in, in, in View Park yesterday and it was, it was a big sign Maybe about the size of that screen. I'll paraphrase what it says because I honestly nearly choked my penguin biscuit when I was driving by. I say, it says, it says, we're supporting, we're supporting the fight against climate change. What's that got to do with the church? What's that got to do with You see, they see it as all isolated incidents rather than its totality. But here's Pilate following man's rules continually. His own desires, his own fears, his own reputation, his pride, his ego, all vying for submission. And Pilate, due to this, can he do what's right? That's what starts happening. That's how, that's, how, that's how we end up submitting to the wrong thing. Our fears, our desires, our reputation. Jesus, what did he become? A man of what? No reputation. His pride, his ego. The enemy knows how to attack that stuff so that you'll end up, oh, I need that. Fear of man, fear of job, 
fear of pain, lack of freedom from stuff and security, money. It's too great a price to pay to follow Christ. He's weighing all these things up. The weakening of those things and the grip of those things. It's, it's weakened. The grip of those things have weakened with Pilate as he spent time with Christ. You see that? As Pilate spent time with Christ, he's need to preserve his job. What Caesar thinks about him. All these things. It's just loosened a wee bit. As you spend time with Christ, that's what happens. As you spend time with Christ, the grip of the world loosens. Always. It's hard to study the word and be obsessed with 22 inch rims. <laughs> whatever it is you're into. Or obsessed with a baby or whatever it is. It's hard. You're in the word. And, and the grip of the world is loosening on Pilate. And the Jews see it. The enemy sees it. And they want to bring it back to fruition. They want to bring it back to light. They want to bring the obsession back up front and centre. You ever feel that, oh, you know what, I feel as if I'm really getting free from that stuff and then all of a sudden. I feel as if I'm really getting free from materialistic things. And then somebody goes by <laughs> with something that you want and then all of a sudden you're back in it again. And that's how the enemy works. His interaction, he's listening to that, but he's got a choice, he's back up front and centre. Throughout our Christian walk, we will forever be losing our grip in the world. Throughout our Christian walk, we'll be forever losing our grip in the world and our past life. But you have to know this, the enemy will never cease from trying to get you to grip back onto what you're letting go of. Yeah, always. And you justify the argument, didn't you? Always using means to highlight and show us what we should be still pursuing. How many times I've seen someone fall apart when their false god is dangled in front of them? Fall apart. As soon as, the, as soon as their false god is dangled in front of them, that's it. It's my new god, that's it. I'm back in it. Things are going well until the mother with a beauty, beautiful behaved child walks by. Things are going, I love the Lord. Things are good. How sing, praise the Lord. Everything's good. A woman gets by with a well behaved child. Over, over. You see the couple hand in hand going by, isn't it? Like Mills and Boone is a bit old fashioned, isn't it? Mills and Boone is like wee romantic books. I don't even know if they still exist. Mills and Boone book, right? right you, you see the couple going by hand in hand, kissing, he's so godly, she's so righteous, it's wonderful. You were doing all right. You were doing fine until you seen that. And now all bets are off. Oh, my life's a mess. I'll never get it. Oh, it's gone. Quite happy like that. I'm not that. I'm watching my budget. No, I'm watching, are you? I'm watching my budget. How, are you really? I'm really watching my budget. Somebody goes by with a big flashy car. You're like, oh, I'm a failure. I need to get one. You were all right until you seen it. It was like Fraser said in, in Wednesday, isn't it? You're, you're making a covenant with your eyes. You have to make a covenant with your eyes. Stay in focus in Jesus. That stuff doesn't bother you. That's why I always say, folk, don't buy it the new. Don't buy anything new. Don't prepare anything new. Don't buy. You know the world would be extinct if you had advice off me about kids. Right? You're not ready. <laughs> oh, you're no security whatsoever. Give yourself a minute though. Give yourself a chance. You never make. You never make decisions when you. You should never make decisions when you're at the most. When you're at the most obsessed with the thing that you're looking at. You should try and make decisions when you're most obsessed with Jesus. You know what you probably say is, Nah, I'm alright. I don't need it. That's what you'll say. 99 times out of 100 you'll say, you'll end up going to put a pair of socks and a sackcloth on. You'll be like, how are you? Perfect. Absolutely delighted. I need nothing. <laughs> so seriously, like, you're right. Never been better. But seriously, on a, I know I'm using the extreme. That's how the apostles lived. I've resolved to know nothing. Oh, you don't want prosperity? No. I want my soul to prosper. What about this? I've seen this year's the pastor that's doing all right. He used to go to conferences and the pastor, like, how things are all wonderful and 
No, you see, you see this guy, and he's like, how's things going? He says, guy was a headbanger, right? Just have to, I can't have any other words, it's a shame, right? And he used to say like this, he used to be like, I says, how's things? Brilliant, people just keep coming and numbers keep growing. The guy was obsessed with numbers. Obsessed with his big church. And then a pastor would go by and say, a pastor would go by and say, how many's in your church? And the black, 3,000. The guy black, I'm melting. I'm from a failure. Well, that's a problem. You're obsessed with that. And see, because you're obsessed with that, the devil will keep showing you. And do you know when the devil keeps showing you? Do you know what you'll do? You'll have stupid events and ungodly events to try and reach the lost. That's what you're doing. You're just obsessed about it. It really doesn't matter whether it's church, whether it's babies and prams, whether it's the Mills and Boone couple, whether it's the guy, whether it's the guy with the DB9, Aston Martin, or the girl with the perfect figure and your hair's a mess. It's the same stuff. The devil will keep you. <laughs> oh, I just can't get it together. No, it's the same stuff. I'm a failure. You just because you're no free. My internal desire is not crucified. It flares up again and again and again and again. And at the moment it happens, Jesus is pushed aside and Caesar's back on the throne. Whatever that Caesar is. Again, over the past four weeks, time's gone. I've got one verse, son. <laughs> How we fear carnal man. Over the past four weeks, that's what I've seen. How we fear carnal man over the Saviour who's all known. We hide our sins every day from man where we fear not the God who sees us every moment. Is that not true? We hide our sins every day from man as if God's invisible. Why do you hide your sins from man? Yet God is all known, omniscient all the time. Because you fear man more than you fear God. Bottom line. Or you love man more than you love God, whatever way you might say it. Does that know that Pilate fears earthly kings way more than a heavenly king? Have we know also like the Jews who want everyone on board their hatred and issues and use manipulation and means to do so? I've just seen there verse 13 and 14, we'll need to finish it. Next week, next week will be the mocking of Jesus part 5, there's no way it would be unfair for me to keep you any longer than that I really would Is that, I think that's enough to get away and think about don't you think you add any more you take it away so next week we'll conclude that and hopefully move on which is to the actual Jesus getting the cross and being crucified because Pilate gave up he's like I've done all my best I'm not just I'll just need to let him go I'll just need to let him die. I'll need to hand him over. I want to say this at the end though, because this is my last thing. I just, I think it's important to say it. It's something that John Calvin says in the commentary, and it's further on to, it's further on in verse 15 and 16. Or, or really, it's to just, to give a better understanding of 12 to 16. And he said something, I thought, it's very important to say it. And I just want to read what he says, and then we'll close. Although, I really should be exegeting the rest of the scriptures, but it'll make sense. This is what Calvin said. It is of great importance to us to know that Pilate did not condemn Christ before he had several times acquitted him by his own mouth in order that we may learn from it that it was our sins that he was condemned for and not his own account. Much of what John says and the detail in what he says about Pilate, I wash my hands, well he never says that, that's another verses, but much of his detail of Pilate pleading for the innocent man and much of him saying I find no fault in him. Much of the detail in what John writes to that is so that we don't think it was Pilate who took Jesus to the cross. It wasn't the Pilate who took Jesus to the cross, brothers and sisters. It was your sin that took Jesus to the cross. It was your sin. This is all circumspect. It's all part of God's great tapestry, if you like. It's all part of his great 
flowing grace. It's all part of his omniscient, all-known plan. Jesus isn't on a cross because Pilate put him there. Jesus is on a cross because your sin put him there. And because God so loved them, he so loved us that he put him there. That's what we're honouring. That's what we're in awe. And that's what we should be living for. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast here at Hope United Church. If you'd like to get in touch or for any more information, please visit www.hopeunited.org.uk. Thank you.